What's powering your home and local cyborg kitten zoo? Part 2! Hi y'all! Uh, welcome to Battery Chattery, episode 13, part 2. Before we get started on part 2, I just have a quick corrections corner. I believe we said in part 1 that carbon emissions in the US fell in 2018. That was incorrect. They have been trending downwards since 2007, which was our peak carbon emissions year, but they did increase 3.4% in 2018. What were we talking about before we got to Las Vegas? I don't remember. Keeping the price of fertilizer low. We were talking about um, Something carbon capturing and, and how that's like not really a permanent solution because we don't have, and how this like fee will help people try to elevate um, more on that. Right, um, right, the silver buckshot. Yes. Oh, we were talking about the pelican, that's how we got to Las Vegas. Okay, I'm good now. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, so the idea of silver buckshot instead of a silver bullet is like, there's not going to be one thing, but like, you do things, you're going to sp- <laughs> spray policy solutions in multiple different directions, and that is going to be what does good things. But just doing one thing is not enough. Even though it's better than doing zero things, which some people seem to think is the right call. Some people seem to think that not just doing zero things, but... Actively doing negative things. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know who on earth we're talking about. (laughs) Which president of the United States currently sitting could we possibly be talking about? No clue. Mm. God damn it. Yeah. (laughs) Every day, I just want to forget that he exists as their president. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Heard he might get impeached. What? Heard he might get impeached. I mean, I've been hoping that for a while, but yeah, but like apparently it's re- it's, it's getting really close. good this time. <laughs> I was also this might not be an issue if he gets impeached, especially I guess I've seen a lot of stuff about the stuff that's coming out from the investigation. It does, it does look pretty I've read, like, damning. nothing about it. I've got, like, too much other stuff going on. I, like, by read about it, I mean I've, like, seen New York Times headlines uh-huh, that, that okay. get pushed to my phone. That's um, so bad. So I've been sort of following that vaguely. Um, but I also saw an article about how, like, we should prepare for the, the possibility that even if he loses an election in 2020, that... Um, he will refuse to leave the White House. How would he do that? I don't know, but like... I would see someone drag him kicking and screaming from the White House. Yeah? Yeah. I don't... Yeah, like there's no... He wouldn't have any authority to stay. Right. If somebody else were... I would see a bodyguard just grab his legs and drag him. Because, yeah, they're like... They need to be loyal to the The president (laughs) that is actually elected. Um, did you yeah, no, see... how would he stay? I don't know. Did you ever see Black Panther? Yeah, I did. I recently saw that for the first time. Nice. That's what my, I thought of. <laughs> like the struggle between the cousins. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's so, like, not democratic. I'm, I'm almost certain that he would lose against anybody in a fight. Like, he's got to be terrible at fighting. He got to hope, Yeah. <laughs> That's not that how that's not how we're gonna solve this problem, but <laughs> I would imagine he was shit at it. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Alright, um Cool. So the carbon dividend. Wanna hear the details about that? Sure. Ooh. Um so all of the money is returned to the households. Um 
minus, I think, whatever it costs to administer the program, which okay. it will cost something. Um, as I've stated, it's like a lot less complicated than the IRS, for example. So it's like the administrative costs are not high. Um, for the first, I want to say for the first five years, there's actually a limit in the bill itself that's like... How much the administrative costs can be? Yeah, so it's like... I think for the first five years, it's like 8% of revenue, but then after that's 2%. Okay. It can't be higher than 2% of revenue. Um, so I have a question for mm-hmm. you that I'm a little confused about. So you levy this fee on the companies that are producing the fossil, or I guess, finding the fossil fuels and selling them. So it costs them more. Mm-hmm. Does that not mean that they're going to increase prices for those things? Yes, they are. And then the idea is that the citizens get it back so that they're not the ones being punished for these emissions. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It, it is complicated. Uh, thank you for asking. Um, well, I have one. I guess that's not my central question. My central question is if you put fees on them and they increase prices, then, like, are they really – is that, like, really going to be a deterrent for them? Mm-hmm. So it's actually not about punishing the fossil fuel companies. Sorry, not punishing, but, like, I guess encouraging them to decrease right. their emissions. Right, right, right. Um, it's – yeah, it is about – like, because people will buy less fossil fuels if they cost more. And even though they cost more, the oil companies aren't making extra profit. So they're just losing in that okay. case if people are buying less, even if it costs more. Okay. Um, so that's like, that's where kind of the incentive for the fossil fuel companies comes in. So even though people are getting that money back. Yes. So the idea there is like every person, every adult is going to get the exact same share back of that money. And every child is going to get a half share. Regardless how much they actually spent. Yes. Okay. So that means that people who spend like above average on fossil fuels and stuff, they are not going to benefit from this policy, but people who are spending less than average on fossil fuels are going to, and not just fossil fuels, but also on products that are like carbon heavy, you know? Yeah. Um, where the manufacturing process is carbon heavy, I should say, not just things that like have lots of carbon in them. That's not the same thing. <laughs> everything has carbon. Yeah, <laughs> it sure does. Um, not every, well, yeah. Not everything, everything. sorry. <laughs> Everything's got trace amounts of carbons at least. Um, what was I saying? You explained to me how this is actually going to work because I was confused. Per usual. The money comes back. Right, so if you're spending less than that average amount on like all your various ways in which your lifestyle emits carbon, you are going to benefit from this policy. Like okay. You will end up with more money than you started with. Cool. Which is so cool. <laughs> you seem pretty pumped about that as somebody who only cycles everywhere. Hey, I'm going to have to fly less. <laughs> I feel like airplane tickets are about to just go whoop. Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Basically, the only place I ever fly is to go visit Doug's family. Right. And it's not like I can can stop doing that. Yeah. That's, yeah, well, like, you know, I flew twice this year. I could, um, like, I, I go home to visit my family over the holidays to Michigan, and I also, like, Went to Las Vegas and then flew back from San Jose. I could have not to done visit that. your family. To visit my family, yes, but I could just visit them once a year. And I, I know that's so like obnoxious. It's like why? Well, just um, no, no. I mean, I mean that the bill is like stop visiting your family. Like that's sad, or like visit your family less. That's a bummer. Unless there are, unless you don't like your family. <laughs> I mean, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, what was I gonna say? The 
I mean, ideally, it might make costs go up initially, but ideally, it would eventually allow costs to, like costs would come down. Oh yeah, exactly. So if, if air, airlines figure out how to like make use of renewable energy in a cool, cool way, or if you know these companies that use fossil fuels manage to decrease their emissions, so mm-hmm. their price of selling the fuels is less. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Yeah. Well, it's not the, com- the fossil fuel companies themselves who are like emitting most of it, right? It's like it is they sell the fuels and then the people on the other end emit it. So I, the fee is levied for also the emissions that they are eventually going to be responsible for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh I was that not clear? Okay. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was okay. in like the production pro- like of the fuels. No, 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 no. No, the fee is on. Like if I sell, <clears throat> excuse me, if I sell an amount of fuel that um, is going to produce one ton of carbon in the atmosphere, I, see. I have to pay for that. I have to pay $15. Okay. So, but aren't then those companies are sort of um, incentivized to try and figure other stuff out? Yes. Okay. Indeed. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, oh man, that's like, this is a little far into the episode to clarify that. I'll probably have to just like edit that into the beginning. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's my fault for being dumb. No, you're good. Um, mm. I. It's on me for like. I've been thinking about this bill for so long because this is so close to what Citizens Climate Lobby has been proposing for all these years. There's just some tweaks. So for me, a lot of this is very familiar. Yeah. And so I don't remember that it's not for other people. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. So generally speaking, this is going to benefit low-income households because... Nice. Yeah. Um, the more money you have, the more you're probably spending on fossil fuels. Yeah. Like, if you're rich, like, why not fly every day, right? <laughs> Sounds exhausting, but sure. <laughs> it really does, yeah. Um, um, but it's true. Like, thank goodness I'm easy. not rich and I don't have to fly every day. <laughs> thank goodness. <laughs> um, and that was true, though, like, um, families who, there are fa- plenty of families who can't afford to fly, so they drive places, which I'm sh- I think actually is yeah, it's less more cost-effective. Yeah. Um, Oh, and yeah, more cost-effective too, probably. Yeah, both. Sorry, I meant both. <laughs> um, they f- do that because it's more cost-effective and it also re- results in fewer emissions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So, do you, do you want to hear some numbers about, like, percent benefited per income quintile? I was or? desperately waiting for you to ask me that question. Okay. <laughs> um, so... So when I say quintiles, I mean, like, quintile one is, like, the lowest income, mm-hmm. one-fifth of the U.S. population. Okay. And quintile five is the highest income, one-fifth of the U.S. population. Cool. So 86% of families in quintile one are going to benefit under this policy. Cool. 15% of quintile five are going to benefit under this policy. Okay. And it's all pretty straightforward from there. Like, it's it's, like... 86%, 72%, 55%, 38%, 15%. Like, the richer quintile you're in, the more likely it is that you're not going to benefit from this. Okay. But, uh, yeah. What is the what is the range of the first quintile? The range? Oh, you mean like... like what's the most, like, the highest income in that range? I don't know. Um, I couldn't find 
more recent data on this, but in 2015, the upper limit of the lowest quintile of household incomes was $22,800. So a fifth of all households in the U.S. were making no more than $22,800. I couldn't find the, the exact sources on the, Like, I know where the sources are for the things I just said, and then I saw another graph where I don't, I don't know where the sources was, but it was like below the federal poverty level, 99% of families so four will benefit. And like nice. um, also below the federal poverty level, like upwards of 90% of minorities will benefit. Okay. Um, I don't remember the rest of it, but. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is, um, you, there's a lot of talk about, actually, I was just reading, I think in Paris, there's protests against a gas tax. Yeah. Yeah, because that's gonna hurt low-income people, um, because... It's gonna hurt rural people more than urban people. Okay. And I think that it's generally, like, a one-way, like, that poverty or, you know, low-income people are generally less likely to be urban people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, like, a carbon tax or carbon fee all by itself is regressive. I think we've talked about this on yeah. the podcast before. Um, it's regressive because... Even though, like, um, like even though I probably sp- I spend way less on fossil fuels than like Bill Gates does, mm-hmm. but it's a significantly higher proportion of my income. Yeah. Um, actually, yeah, that's probably true. I probably like the amount I spend on fossil fuels probably is a higher proportion of my income than it is for Bill Gates because his income is so high. <laughs> Um. <laughs> Although he's secondly donating it all away, so yeah, I don't know how that works. Factors into that. You get the point. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. So you really do need a mechanism for making sure that a carbon fee does not hurt the people who are like most already like most vulnerable and least responsible for climate change. Yeah. Um, okay. And I want to say that's why I'm surprised that the Republicans are so into this bill. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say they're so into it, but... Uh, well, okay. They do like to fuck over It's going to benefit the economy. It's going to put money in the pockets of people who will actually spend it. Okay. And then we can, you know, us millennials can stop killing the diamond industry. Uh, I think we should go ahead and do that. <laughs> the diamond industry is a really fucked up industry. Why yeah. are they seeing... Oh, God. I'm Can't kidding. Say. I was just going to buy nicer groceries. With my nice. with my dividends, you're gonna eat food, <laughs> which is what most millennials are doing. Maybe like hit up a movie sometimes. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds nice. Um, what was I gonna say? All of the industries that I see like millennials are killing, I'm like, good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't mm-hmm. need those things. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit, I'm trying to remember. I feel like I saw one recently about like millennials are killing country clubs, and I'm like, great. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I hope we kill. Are we killing golf? I feel like we're killing golf. Oh, and I'm we should. So fine with it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. God damn it. Did you know, this is something I read. I'm going to fact check it later. Um, uh, more than half of Republican millennials want to see action on climate change. Huh. Interesting. Okay, so I was technically wrong, but I was really close. So 47% of Republican millennials think that the government is doing too little to reduce the effects of climate change compared to 27% of Republican baby boomers. 
But if you look at a lot of specific climate change related policy, you actually find a lot of Republican support. So sometimes people aren't interested in climate change, but they are interested in animals and animal habitats or clean water, and that's often overlapping with climate action. So don't think that Republicans don't want climate action just because less than half of them say that they want the government to do more about the climate. There's really a lot of common ground you can find there. So it's like a generational thing. No, that's that's so hopeful to me. That is that is really hopeful, but it also pisses me off that like the people in power are old yeah. white dudes who <laughs> are out of touch with things. I guess I'm thinking like, you know, we got we got like some democratic millennials in Congress. I don't know if we have really at least a significant number of Republican millennials in Congress, but maybe that's maybe that'll happen. Maybe. That'd be cool. I mean, like all things being equal, I'd rather have a Democrat than a Republican. But if we're gonna have a Republican, why not a millennial? Yeah, that'd be sweet. Somebody who is potentially, although my understanding is that this most recent um, election saw what's the word for that? Like the people who got elected were more extreme. Yes. Yeah. Um, Because. Yeah, the explanation I heard for that was like, you know, if you're in a moderate district, you're probably, you know, if you're a Republican in a kind of a mixed district, you're probably more of a moderate Republican because you do need to appeal to like people on both sides of the aisle to some extent. Um, But uh, so most of those mixed districts went Democrat this election. So those Republicans aren't in office anymore. That makes sense. But, like I said, two of the co-sponsors of this bill are still in office and will remain in office. Two of the Republican co-sponsors. Yes, thank you. Nice. Two of the Republicans Four and two of the, of the Democrats. Four of the six mm-hmm. total. Okay, cool. That's exciting. Yeah. That's neat. Um, I think... Do you know the Climate Solutions Caucus? Mm-mm. Okay, it's this... Bi- Just assume the answer is no <laughs> when you ask me, do you know? Bipartisan Climate Solutions Caucus. It is a caucus just to talk about climate solutions in the House of Representatives. But the fun thing about it is, uh, it's a quote Noah's Mark model. Noah's Ark model. Thank you. Okay. Um, two by two. Yeah, every Democrat who joins it has to have a Republican to come with them, and vice versa. Oh. Yeah. That sounds adorable. <laughs> Does. It's like a buddy system. Yeah, but uh, they lost like half their Republicans in the election. Oh. So we had like 45 Dems and 45 Republicans, and I think I think it's like half of the Republicans are gone now. It's probably going to be harder if the Republicans that are there are extreme to get them to come. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> to come in the right spirit. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. The, a big complaint that's been about the about the that caucus is like, oh, that's just for people who like want to look like they're doing something about climate change, but they actually aren't. But I feel like I feel like this bill to me, this says like this is the first real thing I've seen that really says to me like Republicans care and are ready to do something. At least like some of them. Yeah. Um, I know Carlos Curbelo actually got voted out of office. He did propose a carbon tax earlier this year. Um, it was not bipartisan like no democrats joined him on that um i don't know the details at all um but 
like, to me, before this, he was, like, one of the very few Republicans who, like, was willing to make any kind of effort instead of just, like, joining a caucus and then, like, twiddling their thumbs. Um, There was a vote earlier this year about, like, it it was just, it wasn't an actual, like, law or anything that they were voting on. It was just, like, we, Congress, say that we don't like carbon taxes. It was just, like, a general statement. And all but four Republicans in the House voted for it. So only four Republicans were like, no, I think maybe a carbon tax would be cool. And that's, like, that's supposed to be the conservative solution to climate change. Because that's the one that's, like, market-based and, um, yeah. you know, not, like, uh, you know, complicated regulations-based. Anyway, what were we talking about? Who knows? Same. Oh. Um, right. So, uh, <laughs> the dividend, which benefits the economy, which right. everyone should like. Um, you know, it's interesting... Apparently, part of this is that, like, this is supposed to increase jobs, and it's n- it's not just, like, y- you know, that um, if you have more money, you're more able to look for a job. Um, it's also that, like, if you have more money, you'll go to the doctor more. A lot of the, like, su- um, the expected job increases are in, like, healthcare. Interesting. Yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah, that is cool. And it makes sense if you don't have money... It's really hard to convince yourself that it's important to go yeah. get your checkup. Yeah, yeah. Which is sad. It is sad. Okay. Um, so the numbers I gave you where uh, it says 86% of quintile one benefits, um, that's actually assuming 100% pass-through of costs. Do you know what that means? No. I didn't either. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, pass-through. That means it assumes that the oil companies don't take on any of the tax burden for themselves it means like they're like okay we're getting charged this amount of money this year we're gonna make it up by charging this amount of extra on the fossil fuels um realistically it will probably be more like 87 percent of pass-through which means they're they won't raise the prices to reflect 100 percent of like the new like price burden on them Mm -hmm. they'll only raise it to reflect like 87 percent of that okay so that means the public is only paying like 87% of the, you know, the carbon fee, but they're still getting 100% of the rebate of the dividend. Except for the administrative fees. Right. Which you said it will be 8% for the first five years and then 2% after that? Mm-hmm. Okay. It should be less. In both cases, so, it's, it has to be less than that. So. Okay. So in either, either way, mm-hmm. the... Cost they the rebate that they get will be greater than the cost to them. Yeah, it'll it'll be greater than like the numbers I was giving you before because yeah. the numbers I was giving you before were based on one hundred percent pass through of costs. Yeah, I don't I don't know whether the like administrative cost was factored into that, but yeah, um, if it's like if pass through is eighty seven percent instead of one hundred percent, that's a thirteen percent difference, which is more than the eight percent or two percent yeah. difference we were talking that's about. That's what I was yeah trying yeah. to explain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you're fine. I didn't say it very well. Um, something I'm confused about is that someone said that the dividend won't affect welfare benefits, but they also said it was taxable. So I think either I don't understand words <laughs> or... No, that is very confusing. They said, they were like, yeah, it's taxable. That's great. That means like, you know, like, uh, that makes it less regressive. And I'm sitting here going, what? 
like I really didn't understand that. So either someone misspoke, or um, or I don't know what's going on, or someone deliberately misled me. I'm gonna go with one of the first two, though. Okay. Okay. So actually, all of that was true. Uh, the carbon dividends will not be taken into account when determining eligibility for federal assistance programs, but the dividends are taxable income. And the reason they're making the dividend taxable is because of the PAYGO Act, and I will link some info in the description if you want to read up on it. And the reason that uh, making the dividend taxable is not supposed to be regressive is because the wealthy will pay a higher rate on their dividends because of the U.S. income tax structure, which is progressive. Um, okay. I think we said enough about agriculture. I think we said enough about the border tax adjustment. Um, regulatory limits. Yeah, we can talk about that. So if you don't remember from part one, the regulatory limits on this bill essentially state that the EPA can't put any further federal regulations on the greenhouse gases that are already regulated by this bill unless it's for reasons other than their greenhouse effects. States can still do whatever they want, and pollutants can still be regulated for health or other reasons. So one of the questions we'll be discussing is whether the regulatory limits could stand in the way at all. Like if there's some politically viable regulation that could work to reduce emissions more quickly or more painlessly than the carbon fee, which this bill will get in the way of. Um, this is kind of speculation since we don't know what that regulation would look like, and we don't have specifics for the Green New Deal yet. So while this aspect, this regulatory limitation aspect of the bill gave me pause at first, I think ultimately it is not much of a sacrifice and certainly something that can be worked around. So we'll talk about that now. Regulatory limits. Yeah, we can talk about that. Uh, so here's just a list of things that we can still do under this bill. This is not comprehensive by any means, um, but like, Incentives for building soil carbon. So that's the sequestering we were talking about. Uh, tax incentives for energy efficiency. Uh, funding for infrastructure like grid modernization. Uh, job programs for highly impacted industries like coal. Adaptation for those affected by rising seas. Funding for research development and, and deployment. Oh, like deployment of the things you're researching. Um, so that's cool. Do you know a lot about the Green New Deal? No. Okay. Again. Do you know questions? Assume I'm going to say no. <laughs> um, you know kind of what it is, right? It's like uh, Ocasio-Cortez and some other folks are like proposing that we really like something. It's being compared, of course, to the New Deal during that was during the Great Depression, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> By FDR. I do about the New Deal, so that's cool. Um, uh, so the Green New Deal is like super exciting because um, there's actual like there's a lot of will behind it. I think. Um, Maybe for, like, the first time in a long time, it kind of actually feels like we're going to do something about climate. Um, I feel like that came out wrong, because I also kind of feel like the carbon fee can get passed. But um, I don't think that's as exciting to people as the Green New Deal. Okay. Um, anyway, um, so if you kind of look at the demands of the Green New Deal, it's a lot of stuff. There's... Okay, I'm finding 12 bullet points that I copied down here. Um, some of them are stuff like guaranteed jobs, because um, it's, it's about environmental justice as well as about the climate. 
Um, so, you know, the regulatory limits of the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act, those aren't going to affect, like, those aren't going to prevent us from, like, instating some kind of job program. Um, uh, yeah, more, envi more environmental justice stuff, which, like, the bill is not going to prevent. Um, possibly, like, basic income programs, stuff like that. Uh, some stuff about unions. I'm just trying to go through this fast. Uh, it, it actually mentions building a national energy efficient smart grid. So that we, we just explicitly said that that's fine. Um, that's exciting. Yeah. Upgrading buildings for energy efficiency. Uh, funding massive investment in the drawdown and capture of greenhouse gases. That's totally fine. Um, making green technology, etc. a major in export of the United States. Um, that's one of them. Um, so the only three that like could possibly be affected, the only three of these bullet points um, are like, one of them is 100% of national power generation from renewable sources. There's not a date on that. Okay. Um, so, you know, like after the program ends, you can totally like mandate 100% of national power generation from renewable sources. But also the um, bill is intended to sort of move us in that direction anyway. Yes. So yeah. it might be helping that. Exactly. Cause. Yeah. Yeah. It's, to me, it's just, yeah, it is absolutely moving us towards it. It's just the difference between 90% and 100%. Yeah. Um, but we can still, we can implement other things like um, really getting into the health impacts of pollution. Yeah. Like that's, if we can pass some rules on that, that's going to help both our health and the climate. Um, decarbonizing the manufacturing, agricultural, and other industries. Um, <laughs> that's, yeah, like we can still do that, especially with agriculture, because like, that's not already covered under this bill. Like you can still pass whatever you want there because it's just not covered. So it doesn't, it's, it doesn't count as like that double jeopardy thing of like, yeah. oh, don't put two regulations on the same thing. Yeah. Um, decarbonizing, repairing, and improving transportation and other infrastructure. Um, again, like that's just, we now have fewer tools for doing that, but that doesn't mean we don't have tools. Yeah. I think something that was mentioned is like, because you can regulate health impacts, um, or you can regulate for health impacts, um, anything, any pollution that's happening like around people can be dealt with. Um, it's just like pollution happening in the middle of nowhere, which couldn't be dealt with. I think one example that was given was like methane leaks. Um, but other than stuff like that, that's like accidental, we're usually not using fossil fuels out in the middle of nowhere, I think. So, um, I don't think that's significant. I'm willing to, I'm open to hearing if I'm wrong. Um, questions? <laughs> no. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of pumped by this bill. Right? Well, I'm pumped about both of them. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. I think my my excitement about the the main bill that we're talking about, the dividend bill, is that because it has, as put forward by Republicans and Democrats, it perhaps has a good chance of actually passing. Yeah, I think I think it's fair to say they both can pass. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. And it really is, like, I would feel so good about it if we pass something sooner rather than later. Yeah. And um, the Green New Deal is not even supposed to be written until 2020. Like, that's when they're supposed to have a text. And then the idea is, like, you would introduce it in, like, after the 2020 elections, when hopefully there will be more Democrats in the Senate and mm -hmm. in the White House. 
Please. Um, Please do God. <laughs> I don't even believe in God, but I will pray to a God. <laughs> um, yeah, so... And it's, you know, I'm... I understand that this bill has a hard time in front of it. The, the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend uh, Act bill, the, the carbon fee we're talking about. I understand it's got a hard time in front of it. I understand that the Senate, Senate is still mostly Republican. I understand that even if we get enough Republicans in the Senate to vote for it, um, it still, you know, could be vetoed by the president. And then if it is vetoed, which, why would it not be? Like, why would he do anything right? Um, Excuse me. Um, (laughs) No, I'm right, though. Um, (laughs) You don't have to say excuse me. (laughs) Even if he does veto it, even if Trump or Pence, in his stead, after Trump gets impeached, even Mm -hmm. if they veto it... um, if they veto it, I don't think it would get, like, two-thirds of the Senate anytime soon. I think it would be so dope if it got, like, 51% of the Senate. Yeah. Um, but it still gives us something to work for. And I think we should all call our reps about it. I haven't yet. Yeah. Soon. Soon. <laughs> I wrote a letter to the editor about it. Nice. Thanks. Oh, yeah, I saw that. That yeah. was really cool. This <laughs> is in the Austin American Statesman. Um... Oh, um, I think the only other thing I really had was, uh, how does the program end? I don't think it's, this probably isn't, like, interesting. It's just numbers, but, like. I mean, we sort of already talked about this. Yeah. Like, once certain goals are reached. Mm -hmm. It's like, you hit the 90% reduction target, and once the monthly dividend is 20 inflated adjusted dollars or less for three years, then the program goes away. Okay. So, just once the dividend falls enough. And once we've hit 90%, both of those. Um, I just remembered I was going to say something else. What was it? Oh, oh, a feature of this bill. Okay, you may have been thinking this whole time. Gee, Hope, the dividend sounds really nice, but what about that first month where I still have to pay more without having extra money yet? Prebate. Oh, nice. One month prebate. I guess they're just going to guess how much money it's going to be to all of us and just give it to all of us. And then... um, that's also like a gesture of goodwill. I guess some people are like, I don't think the government will actually give me this money back. Gesture of goodwill. Yes, they will. Um, that and uh, then, you know, so like if the first monthly dividend is like $36 or whatever, then over the next three years, we'll just get like $1 less every rebate, every dividend. Okay. Um, so that'll make up for it. Yeah. Cool. It's neat. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, and that's something I hadn't heard before. And I think it's because it's something that, like, Citizens Climate Lobby wanted, but we didn't think we were going to get. Okay. Um, so I hadn't even heard about it because the higher-ups didn't bother. <laughs> they were like, Hope doesn't need to know because <laughs> she's just going to be disappointed when we don't get it. Yeah. Which, thank you, higher-ups. Um, that's cool. Yeah. The thing I was really surprised by was, like, the regulatory limit. I really had to, like, look into that and convince myself that I was okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, but I am. Cool. I want to see. I want to see legislation pass. Um, and it sounds like it's very limited number of regulations that we can't. Enact. Yeah, exactly. Like I was so nervous at first, and then I was like, "Oh no, there's still so much we can do." Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> well, is that all you wanted to get to? Yes. Thank you for teaching me about this. Thank you for listening, Anna. <laughs> You're welcome. Do you have any further questions? Uh, not right now. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic.
Oh, this is going to be a monster to edit. I'm sorry. No, I like the part where, like, just in the middle of our conversation, it was like, oh, here's what the bill actually does. <laughs> yeah. Instead of what I made it sound like it did. Yeah. We'll fix it. It's fine. I love editing. Do you? No. Okay. No, I don't. Thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's sign off. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye! What's powering your home and your electric feline friend?